You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 446, the puzzling quiz of puzzlement, the dating club for billionaires, and we say hooray for goths. That's all coming up after the cult and she sells sanctuary.
goth anthem. Uh, what a sound they made back then. Billy Duffy, one of the great rock guitarists of all time and the powerful voice of Ian Asbury. Hooray for the goths um, from the summer of 1985, number 15 in the UK, The Cult and She Sells Sanctuary. And that is a phenomenal tune any day of the week. I love that. And I do have a a, a tale about this. I don't do brilliant accents, but I'll do my best with this because it is worth saying in the accent. I played at a wedding last, um, it would have been September time, I think. And um, the brief was meant to be that I was going to do half seven till ten light cocktail jazz for people to kind of chat to because the, the grooms at the wedding were the lovely people. But, you know, they just thought, oh, that would be what they would want me. They were slightly older and I think they sort of wanted to go home to bed. And by about 10 to 9, it became very apparent that the dance hall was filling up and was probably not going to empty. So I very gradually kind of upped the pace. Eventually, we finished at half 12, I think. And uh, and we went from cocktail jazz to all sorts of places, not least because the uh, the Dex system that we had, when you could also plug a phone into it, which meant I was able to start taking requests. And a chap of my a chap of my acquaintance and his wife and her sister and her partner um, hadn't been invited to the wedding, it turned out, which was in a venue that was fairly accessible from the seafront. But it sort of just kind of turned up and, and seen me DJing and decided they wanted to stay. So they sort of accidentally crashed this wedding and posted many excellent selfies afterwards of themselves as wedding crashes. Um, and he came up to me and said, um, would I play this? She's Sales Sanctuary by the Colton. I said, well, I haven't got it, but I can try and find it on the phone. And he said, it... The, he was he's Australian so he went it'll be a winner you gotta play it so so I so I so I pressed play and of course realized at that point that most people at the wedding were probably in the 40 to 60 kind of age bracket which meant most of them were at university it was the kind of crowd who were mostly at university when this came out and the dance floor absolutely heaved and people went crazy to it and this Australian chap that came up to him went this is my ringtone and I just got <laughs> visions of my friend Tim <laughs> on he's a set builder you know sort of on set building sites with this kind of she sells sanctuary blaring out of his phone as a ringtone he's a very he's a very full-on guy and i thought that was a suitable ringtone for him so i'm a i'm an enormous fan of that i think it's great and every time i hear that now i do think of him bellowing this is my ringtone as a, as a floor full of people kind of throng to it it's a great tune well, hello and hooray also, because you're here hmm. for the Parish Council podcast. It's episode 446. I'm Terence Stackerman. Let's just double check. Is she in isolation? Let's just find out. Are you there, Juliet Harris? I am. Yes, I am here. I'm still I'm still, you know, round and about in the world. I'm behaving in as sensible way as I can at the moment. I'm still having to go to my place of work, but I'm not really going anywhere else at the moment, apart from, you know, to uh, boggle at the depth of humanity in the supermarches mm. and to uh, and to actually have a much more pleasant and enriching experience at my local independent butchers, um, grocers and, uh, and, and, and general outlets. So I would very much recommend that if people do need to buy food, why not try your local shop or uh, or a local grocer or something? They 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 do seem to be a uh, does all seem to be a little bit more chill in there. I'm not I'm not if you have a local independent toilet paper out, out <laughs> supply so much the better. I don't know, but anyway, yes. Hopefully everybody is staying safe and it's very nice to be back with you once again this week. Now it's time for uh, Quizzy McQuizzo. Indeed, um, yes. A, a format so successful that President Trump wants to buy it up and <laughs> save it save it for exclusive American use. Absolutely. Um, I would love the fact that, that, that your, all of your introductions to this are, let's be honest, lies every single week. Yes. But yeah, they're so good, aren't they? That, they're, Com- you know, completely fictitious. Just, 
they, if something, well, this is, this is almost Trump-esque, isn't it? This isn't true, but it sounds really impressive and I want it to be true. So I'm going to say it, say it and that stops it being alive. You're using sort of Trumpian logic there, I think. At the time we record this, everyone is feeling a bit isolated and we're in a time where everyone is relying on technology and smartphones to stay in touch. And yes. so our quiz reflects that in so much as I'm going to play you clips of five songs. It happens very quickly. It's all in 30 seconds. OK, I've got my pen. So I've got my I love New York pen, despite the fact I've never been there. Someone that did love New York went there and bought it for me. So I'm ready. And so the theme is telephones or telephone related. Nice. I like this. Now, this week, the contestants are you, the listener, and step forward now, you, the Juliet Harris. I mean, um, obviously, this is completely alien to me, but I would do my best. <laughs> Ten points on offer, one for each title containing uh, the telephone reference and one for each artist you can name. So, uh, listener and Juliet, uh, your target is seven from ten to win. That's very generous. Uh, Thank you. And uh, it was a, well, nice to see you, to see you nice. And um, <laughs> g- give us a lovely twirl there, Julia. Doesn't she look lovely, ladies and gentlemen? You're skating on very thin ice, Terence. Life is the name of the game. Right, so... <laughs> oh, please, I, I'm already borderline hysterical as it is. You as Bruce Forsyth is just too much. Here we go. Five songs in 30 seconds. I'm in the bumbles, it's the one across the hall. As usual, I'm never quite sure whether you're going to succeed wonderfully or whether one or two of those might be outside of your known musical history. But, uh, wow, I I've struggled a little bit this week. I must admit, this is this is I I might not make the cut this week. I think I um I I will try my best is all I can say. I, I and maybe you, you can maybe groups. you can give me a few hints. Um, so the first one is a definite nailed on. I predicted we would get that one. Um, <laughs> so this is Blondie and Hanging on the Telephone. What a great tune. Good choice. Let's try and give you a relatively easy one to start off with. But the second one, you see, I thought well it, you probably play it on your I'm sure mm. you must have played this on your um you know your your yes. um, public performances. I'm not, I'm not sure what version this is. So it's private okay. number. Oh well that is is, it, the, it is, is, is is the number. So there have been different versions of this. The the one that I think I can Tina Turner did a version, but I okay. don't think it's, it's that. that. I, I think it's the original. So in which case I think it's do I have to get both of the people do you have to No, I'll give you if you get one of the okay. two, I'll give it to you. I think the bloke is William Bell. Yes. With Judy Clay. Ah, that's right, yeah. So thank, thank you. That. you that very much so, because that was really difficult and Lovely. Uh, thank yeah. you. No, no, we, 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 no, the next one. I don't know, I'm afraid. I really struggle to recognise it. I'm not sure at all. It was uh a, a single of theirs very early in their career after they won Eurovision. Oh, is it Ring Ring by ABBA? Yes, I'm going to give you that. You only had to have a nudge. Fine. Thank you. You only had to have a nudge. And the next one, again, uh, it's a long time ago. It was a brilliant, I love this tune. It's Smooth Operator by Sade. What a tune. 
And then finally, again, I'm not sure whether you would, this was before I, your time. I'm, I'm guessing at this, but I don't think it is this. I was, I think I'm guessing more in hope that it was this, but I don't think it was. I thought it might be, I've just got to get a message to you. Oh, by the the, the Bee Gees. No. Yeah, no well, what, in which case, I don't know, but let's let's see what it is. Okay, it's um they they grew out of uh the move, and then one part of them went off to form Wizard. Oh um yeah Jeffrey I I don't oh, is it is it ELO ELO and, and telephone uh, line. Oh, I wouldn't have got that in a million years. But uh, no, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your patience during that slot this week. I wonder if you the listener um well you got eight so you you've, you've Oh, that was that was a generous eight, I think. So thank you. Look for at that. the old scoreboard there. You've got eight. Yeah, so I was able to wait for you, the listener, um, managed you did to, better than to I get did. better. I'm than sure that. you probably did. What that means now, Julia, at the end of the show, you have mm-hmm. to wear a conveyor belt full of valuable prizes like <laughs> pasta and bathroom <laughs> tissues, and all that you remember, you get to take home with you. Well, that is excellent. In which case, I would like I would like some bourbons, please, because they sold out of those at Hastings Sainsbury's, and I found that more distressing than the prosecco and the toilet paper. Um, yeah, people panic buying prosecco in Hastings Sainsbury's still, but um, yes, I um, I think the 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 next panic buy must have item is going to be booze, isn't it? Now they're shutting the pub, so yes, uh, so it will be, won't it? Of course, mm. yes. So, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we were rec- we were talking recently about Kate Bush and how how she has a lengthy hiatus between albums. Yes. And when I thought of the Sade track, I thought, well, I'll have, I'll have a look. And she also follows that pattern. She's she's only released mm. six albums in thirty six years, and three Gosh. of those were released in her the first first four years of her sort yeah. of career. As it were, Diamond, Diamond Life was the one that everyone bought, yeah. wasn't it? That I think had that had smooth operator on it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's a lovely scene in um, Louise. Um, I can never pronounce it. I, I want to say Wiener, but I think it might be Wenner from, uh, from oh, Sleeper. Yes. Um, she wrote a really good book that was called Different for Girls. It, uh, I, th- I think it was originally, when I bought it, when it first came out, it was called Different for Girls. And I think they might have changed it to Just for One Day in later editions, basically about her kind of life in Sleeper, before they really made a huge comeback. But she did write novels in between Sleeper being big the first time round and then and then being a hit the second time round. And uh, Sleeper plays a bigger audience, by the way, now than they did the first time round. Mm-hmm. But um, she wrote, she in a sort of when they were kind of trying to make it um she talks about how they had a housemate called jim and uh, his friend comes around to watch a film i think it's one of the police academy films on vhs or something and she and she gets dropped off by a taxi and she comes in and she's quite smartly dressed and she sits down and she uh she they sit and laugh at the film together and she doesn't i mean she's not unpleasant but she's you know she and jim just kind of sit and chat and have a last last time watching the film and then she gets up and leaves and says goodbye to everyone and gets in a cab and goes home and they go, Jim, how do you know Sade? <laughs> and Jim, <laughs> at this point, is the, one of the biggest stars in your music stars there is. And he just says, oh, we were at school together. And <laughs> and that was the night that was, I think Diamond Life was number one at that point. And Sade just comes around to watch a film with her mate on VH, watches Police Academy on VHS and then goes home. I just love those ridiculous stories like that. God, how strange. It would be like, you know, me being at home with a housemate and I don't know, Taylor Swift popping round to watch Mrs. Brown's Boys or something. I don't know. It seems a bit odd, doesn't it? It, it does. That's an amazing story. Um, coming right up, girls, how to date a billionaire. Um, that's Uh-oh. next. <laughs> <laughs> that's next after the cause. I haven't slept at all in days. 
It's been so long since we've talked And I have been here many times I just don't know what I'm doing wrong What can I do to make you love me? What can I do to make you care? What can I say to make you feel this? What can I do to get you there? There's only so much I can take And I just gotta let it go
cheery just the day or two after St. Patrick's Day the other night, watching my recording um, off, off of BBC4 of Top of the Pops 2's um, St. Patrick's Day special. I had some issues with it, which we'll discuss later, or one particularly large issue, which I sense you might share. But it did remind me of uh, the, the cause star burned very briefly, but it did mm. burn very brightly. Unfortunately, they went very bland in the later part of their career. And so their last great record, I think, was Breathless, which was number one in 2000. But this this um, talk on corners, unfortunately, doesn't get the, the, the sort of love it deserves because of the, because of the way it was released about three or four different times with different remixes every single time because all of the what became singles became successful in their remix form, which is why we've played there the Tintin Out mix of uh, What Would I Do by The Cause. But I think that is a very... I just think it's a really nice song. I'm just, I'm, I'm always surprised by how much I like the cause when I listen back to them. I just, you know, I, I, people might say they're bland. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just reaching for, you know, cheery songs that that aren't about very much um, in these kind of big and scary times. But I do think that's a nice record. So it's nice to hear that. And it was nice to see them again as well. You know, they, they, I love the fact that you know it was, it was siblings that made a, you know, that that, that made a band really that Jen really seemed to be able to play. Well, it's funny you say that because I rather think at the time I had dismissed them as kind of bland, you know, sort of pop machine. But that, but certainly that tinting out remix, that those blokes, the tinting out remix blokes, they just came out of num- nowhere and then disappeared yeah. again. But what a fantastic rearrangement, really. Yeah, really good. Track. I think. It really makes it. And, uh, it, you know, I really enjoyed it having thought. Oh, the cause, but actually, yeah. it's really, I, I really didn't, sparkly. I didn't sense much enthusiasm re- either of my choices <laughs> from you this week, so I'm glad yeah, that you. And, yeah. and it's a lot of you that you can actually listen to things and then, uh, and then you know, say actually I did enjoy that. And actually, most of the records you recommend for the podcast, I, 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 I would say more than half. I, I. Even if I have heard of the people involved, I haven't usually heard the record. And of course, our listener recommendations as well, which are almost, oh, yes. all, you know, well, the, all of the ones we've had so far have been excellent. Actually, I shouldn't say almost all; they've all been excellent. Um, I, um, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I'm just a, um, you know, I, 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 I you know, I, I really enjoy hearing new things. So I'm glad to have put the cause on you, um, and for you to actually have enjoyed it. It could be worse. Really it could good. be one of those sixties chintzy instrumentals yeah, that I picked no. that you absolutely loathe. So, uh, do, so do, it could do, be worse. Do, 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 do. Oh no! <laughs> Don't do that. I might go there next week if I run out of popcorn. Well, luckily, Jules, neither you nor I are in what tabloid newspapers call the dating game. I'm sorry if that's devastating to all you ladies out there, uh, but frankly, yes. we've both been snapped up. Um, so, <laughs> or or yeah. at least I found someone. To, we found someone to put up with us, perhaps somewhat that's, more accurately. But that's anyway, that's the way I, I put it. Certainly, the the only woman that could possibly put up with me. Um, these days, finding a potential partner is probably more complicated than ever. It, wasn't too many years ago when people didn't travel very much and mostly worked in the town in which they lived in. So we'd probably settled down with someone that lived in their street or maybe worked in the same place as them. And now, of course, the Internet has positioned us all in a sort of virtual global village. And you might easily fall in love with someone from Tahiti as easily as someone from Tottenham. But Travelling the whole wide world is impractical when seeking someone to go to dinner with or to go for a romantic evening in days, of course, when we're not all self-isolated. Now, Mm. online dating, I'm sure, has its merits. But what do you do if you're a man who happens to be a billionaire with almost limitless funds and you're just too busy to find a life partner? Well, Jules, you've been looking into the perfect solution for lonely billionaire men. 
I have, yes. I don't know why, given that I am in, I'm very much neither a billionaire nor a man. But anyway, I um I I came across this rather peculiar article in the Times, which are words that probably should be etched onto my grave at some point. I think because there there always seems to be slightly peculiar articles in the Times, as much as I like it. Um, so if you are a billionaire man and you're just too busy and rich and famous to find a life partner, um, who are you going to call? And the answer is not Ghostbusters. It's this rather serious-looking fake tanned woman in green called Olivia Rigg, which I know is less catchy but anyway um she is uh, she finds true love for the a-list she has a i love the fact she's described as having a discreet office in mayfair does anybody <laughs> ever have a really loud office in mayfair with a massive neon sign on the outside saying billionaire blokes get your women here no i don't i'm not convinced that anyone does but anyway in her discreet office in mayfair she um she uh she uh she, she talks about how she gets the measure of her male clients um she uh, do they have photos on the, uh, I love the fact that this is her judging people, and this is this is you know how you tell when when you know people. I'll, I'll believe that we live in a classless society when she she's not asking questions like has an interior decorator done their home? Do they have photos of family on the wall? How gracious are they to waiters? How do they behave on the tennis court? Yes, Terence, I wonder if our prospective partners have wondered whether whether you know whether our you know whether we were any good on tennis courts. I somehow doubt it. Um, she calls herself a consultant. Um, I have a little bit of a malign view on who calls themselves consultants nowadays but anyway um wealthy men hire them to find her a girlfriend uh, hire her to find them a girlfriend or wife um so how much do you think you you will be so, so given all of your many offshore millions terence get, get, mm. if you found yourself having to do this i mean god willing you won't but but if you did mm. how much would you be willing to pay olivia for six months of basically um consultation matchmaking all that sort of thing well considering it's mayfair it's got to be a ridiculous amount of money so it's got to be something like 500 quid a grand maybe you know it's this mayfair after all i love how you're under pitching for this six months of olivia's uh, matchmaking skills will cost you 20k 20 pounds <laughs> so that is that is two and a half grand a month roughly isn't it or two two thousand four hundred pounds a month um it's and terrifying. she she um she uh so, so I, I mean, I almost can't say anything else, really, because that is just a sort of a conversation stopper, isn't it, really? She she says, and this is quite an interesting point. I mean, it's sad, but it is an interesting point. She says, if you have a certain level of wealth, then everything is about the personalised service. My pro- clients have um, uh, private chefs, fitness trainers, personal shoppers, wealth managers. Why shouldn't they go to an expert to handle their love life? Which I think is a really interesting point, actually. Do we think that relationships are something that can be um, that uh, that you know that, that can be monetized? Do we think that that you know the process of finding a relationship is the same as finding someone that gets trainers that look good on you? That's finding someone who you charge to stop you being you know a weeding wreck. I, I find that really interesting. And maybe is 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 it is it that people that are very rich? are very rich because they see money in everything and and therefore they or, or rather they see everything as being a commodity and maybe you know they see relationships as sort of transaction in the sense that they just think oh well you know that they they would like a girlfriend and they think they can do you like you can do that in the same way as you would hire an interior decorator or something like that i don't know i find that very very interesting and perhaps a bit depressing to think about really um apparently 
And this also makes me laugh. I mean, this article has been, I love to think this is slightly written to come in cheek, I think. Um, it's uh, Rick's clients are between 35 and 65 years old. Most are too high profile to go on dating apps. Others are simply humble billionaires, she says. <laughs> oh, oh, praise be to the humble billionaires. God bless them. God bless their little socks, you know, toiling away in their hedge fund minds. Anyway, um, many work in finance or chief executives or heads of tech companies. There's a plastic surgeon and a large retailer and there's this idea that um that they're too busy to go on dating apps and what is interesting is that she says the proliferation of dating apps has normalized the act of people meeting through an intermediary even if it is a, an electronic one she says it's not that my clients don't have time for relationship they do it if it's the right one what they don't have is time for meeting the wrong people my clients say to me let's just do this properly from the outset now there is i think we might have talked about it before there is a Anything that that involves an algorithm algorithm always has a risk that mm. if you get something that you think you should like, is that the same thing as getting something that you will like? You know, it's, it it seems you know just because somebody, I mean, I've I've gone on dates with people that have looked fantastic on paper that you think, oh yes, you know that that's the perfect person for me, and then it just doesn't work because sometimes it is just about more than liking the same stuff or moving in the same circles or even having the same views on things. It's it's sometimes there is a a weird alchemy to relationships that you can't reduce to an algorithm no matter how much money you have i think that's that's exactly so this is is, is a strange form of uh, of arranged marriage this isn't it i'm also concerned about the women who put themselves forward this i can understand if you're a billionaire chucking 20 grand on hiring somebody to siphon the wheat from the chaff if i may put it that way uh, in the most appalling way but i do wonder about the women who must equally sign up with uh, olivia rigg to say well can you find me a billionaire but i'm intrigued um the, the bit that you said how she weighs up whether these billionaires are worthy of her time and that you know do they have photos of the family in the wall and how they, they behave on a tennis court i was just thinking this would rule me out completely because from where i'm sitting <laughs> i've got a photos of the beatles crossing abbey road over there and <laughs> Kate Bush in a life jacket on my wall over here. And I think I'd dislocate my shoulder if I tried to serve a tennis ball <laughs> these days. So, you know, I've got no chance. No, and, and, and similarly, I, I haven't been on a tennis court since a, since a PE teacher in a tracksuit and a whistle was shouting at me from the other side. And uh, in my O-line at the moment, I have um, Marge and Homer Simpson as Lego figures in a frame, um, a piece of framed Kate Bush confetti and a knitted cactus in a pot that my mum's friend made for me. I don't have any photographs of anybody really of, of any any kind of um, importance in my life although having said that I do have a great deal stored in my phone and this is an interesting I, I know we've gone on to a slightly different thing here but the idea of do you have photos up on your wall the, the the new photo frame on your desk or the new photo frame on your on your on your wall in your house is what's on your lock screen on your phone apparently that's yeah. the new that's the new thing of import I mean nothing of note on mine actually but um you know I know lots of people who, who put photos of their loved ones on their lock screen so so who knows maybe she needs to be inspecting their phones that's that could be so i just, just thinking though she's certainly got her head screwed on because um mm. at 20 grand ago even if she only gets 10 clients in a year that's two hundred thousand pounds she has to do this for five years and she's a millionaire so you know who's the mug uh, certainly Absolutely. not olivia rigg 
No, who seems to be, um, and, and you know, in a way, I do think, well, if people are willing to go with this, it is a skill. Yes, it is a bit ridiculous, but equally, if she's good at it and people are willing to pay her for it, then, you know, why not? I, 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 it's it's in a way, I've stopped criticising people who are, who are, you know, I know we've, we've had a lot of fun about social media influences in the past, and I do have a bit more of an issue with that. But if people are good at doing a certain thing for a certain audience who are willing to pay for that, however, daft that is then ultimately I'd, i i have to kind of rather wryly admire their chutzpah if nothing else i think for all of our uh, billionaire male listeners there are many i'm sure yes countless numbers if you want to sign up for her service then you'll have to google her company is called hamilton rig of mayfair and good luck let us know if you get value for your 20 absolutely pounds. indeed and and if indeed you are looking for a billionaire then you don't call the ghostbusters that is the woman that you do coming next we say hooray for all goths everywhere yeah um, up the goths up the goths that's after this spooky track from the cure
long held the belief that our lives would be so much the poorer if Robert Smith had never formed The Cure in 1976. Very true. Um, yes, 13 terrific studio albums, but an absolute cavalcade of 37 singles, including mm. this one, their highest placing single in the UK. It was number 74 on the Billboard Hot 100, but number five here in the UK, uh, originally from the Disintegration album from 1989, The Cure and the wonderfully sinister Lullaby. That is superb, isn't it? Although I cannot listen to it in my self-isolating house. Not that I am a self-isolating at the moment, but I, yes, I might mm. listen to that during the day, possibly when I go for a nice walk rather than rather than in my my home. It's like not being able to watch Inside Number Nine past nine o'clock at night either. It's too too spooky. No matter what it is, it's it's too creepy and weird. Ah, stop it! But um, but yeah, I'm a I'm I really like the Cure and surprised me actually. I because if you go off the the this Cure song that you hear the most on the radio and kind of just. Well, I, I can't believe I'm saying Friday, this I'm in love, now, but it? no, not necessarily. No? I would have said if I'd had to guess what their biggest hit was, I would have said Love Cats. Oh yes, if, yeah, I'd, that, if yeah. I'd had to put money yeah, yeah. on it. But um, no, I love the Cure. I think they're a yeah. great band. I am, um, and and it was interesting. They were one of the what them and Kylie Minogue were the bands that made me think that some of the BBC's television coverage and the way they mix the sound has limitations. Mm. Because um, I remember a friend of mine saying that that he turned on Six Music when the Cure were playing at Glastonbury last year on the Sunday night and thought they sounded absolutely fantastic. And then he turned on the telly and couldn't w- work out what they'd done to the sound to process it through TV and I think the same thing with Kylie Minogue as well we watched Kylie on the live feed on mm. Sunday afternoon I thought it was brilliant and then when we watched it on the BBC in the evening it wasn't it wasn't quite as good so I don't know but yeah the cure like you say having a having a, an amazing array of tunes for for different tastes I think as well despite the fact they're known as a gothic band I think mm. they had a huge variety of music actually I think there was there's there's more variation and if you pardon the pun given the goth circumstances light and shade to their mm. music than uh than 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 you would necessarily first assume, given how they're written up as a goth band. Perhaps something of a generalisation, but I don't think I've ever met a goth that I didn't like. And mm. it's, it's very similar due to the world we live in uh, these days, that goths still to get, tend to get pointed at or shouted at, or worse, in the streets. Yes, and it's, that it's is a, very... It's a fantastic look. I mean, I don't see it as particularly macabre. It's more about a, a celebration of a certain look and music and clothes. Um, but anyway, this week, You're the Guardian ran a lovely piece about goths all around the country who've really made a lifetime commitment to the goth cause. Yeah, and this is brilliant. Like you, I, I I kind of flirted on the fringes of goth at school, but I was never quite at college, particularly. But I was never quite brave enough to uh, to, to kind of fully immerse into the uh, into the, uh, the the drowning pool of goth. But um, no, I'm a, I, I like you say, people that are goths some of the most interesting and intelligent and, and, and free thinking people I know, I think are not hippies, but are goths because I, that you just seem to God, people that like that sort of thing are very secure of who they are within themselves in my experience and, and, and have a very singular take on the world that I enjoy very much. This lovely article in the guardian by somebody who I can feel it. If that is indeed your real name moment coming on, but um, who's called Sirin Kale spelt like the vegetable. So I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, Sirin Kale wrote this, this lovely piece about how people have managed to uh, because the people involved in goth are usually so lovely like you say given how it seems to celebrate the macabre it, it's a very war-
warm and nice scene and people seem to know each other for years and you're right this this said it is the opening paragraph i think sums up what a lot of people might uh, a lot of misconceptions that people might have about goth it says goths are perhaps the most maligned of all the subcultures over the decades they have been unfairly blamed for high school shootings depression in teenagers and antisocial behavior in reality goths are goths are a collective of people bound by a shared love of fashion music and art and actually i think that goth is a bit similar to my favorite subculture which is mod Mm. in that it's not just about necessarily music it's an aesthetic that that kind of embraces all sorts of different aspects of culture so literature and and particularly art and visual and the way that things look like you say goths are very visually arresting if you are a goth you have to wear black that's the thing really mm. um and and there's an interesting little analysis here by uh, dr paul hodkinson who is a sociologist at the university of sorry an expert in goth culture i love the fact that you can be an expert in that sort of thing who says the scene has been um so goths are bound tightly together compared to other subcultures goth goth scene really is a scene there are a small amount of clubs that are still going now and it really is a very tightly knit scene compared to some other subcultures and this uh paul dr paul hockerson says the scene has been partly defined by how it's been viewed negatively that negative attention can give its participants an extra commitment to the scene and strengthens their identity in the face of a perceived mainstream society that misunderstands or mistreats them and it's just it's just a lovely little little article because it then interviews certain people that did, that mm. self-define to use the term du jour as uh, as goths and i love the fact that you've got this picture of a bloke that looks really striking this bald haired mm. chap um you know with shades and an amazing ruffled shirt and a and a moustache that spikes up and a black jacket and a watch chain lee edward armstrong 45 runs a manufacturing company in peterborough and i just love the fact mm. that everyone i know that is a goth is also a normal person that you know holds down the job you know i think it, i think it's brilliant and i it's just such a lovely a lovely little um a, a, a lovely little article though although this this chap lee says something that i find very interesting where he says i think because of my size i get less abuse than other goths and that really does that really does sum up you know bullies doesn't it pick on someone with your size it's not it's not great, really. There's someone else that says they, they haven't worn colour since this is a woman. Um, Cynthia Basileri, a lecturer at the University of North, York. That's a very goth, goth name, isn't it? I'm a big mm. fan. And she says, I dress goth every day. I haven't worn colour since I was 14. It doesn't say how old she is, but she's not 14 anymore. So I have a huge, huge amount of respect for that. Um, she... Uh, she said that uh, she she lives in York, which is kind of she considers Yorkshire to be the home of kind of goth goth culture, really. And uh, I I just think it's I you know what harm is this doing to anybody? You know, is it people expressing themselves in a in a very sort of defined way. All of these people look amazing. There's a woman with this fantastic Morticia more Adams style hairdo with a blonde streak in the in the front of black hair, and it's it's really good. I just I know I. I I um she 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 makes an interesting comment about the school shootings about how goth sort of a state of mind and how it's kind of a kind of a um a, a sort of a way of being really she says anytime something bad happens like a shooting spree people always say he was dressed in a trench coat and listening to marilyn manson but that doesn't define goth it goes a lot deeper and all of these people seem to be very sort of secure within themselves and just love goth just love gothic music and love the culture and the literature and i think that's a that's a fabulous thing i and and to do something that 
I mean, goth, gothic people look so striking compared to, to other people and so otherworldly, I suppose. Maybe it's the kind of influences of ghosts and ghouls and that sort of thing that are making that Morticia Adams reference. Someone dressed in, in gothic black clothing with, you know, heavy makeup and purple nail varnish and that sort of thing doesn't fit at all, really, into a, into a I say normal, we're not living in normal times, but into a, an ordinary kind of high street vista in a small town. Whereas anybody that is a mod, or even a punk or a, or a hippie might somehow still find you know but might still be slightly more expected to see than than, than gothic people so so it's such an otherworldly culture yeah like you say i'm always struck by how interesting and nice the people are that are involved in it really i particularly like the story of the last lady you mentioned with the um streak in her hair mel butler because yeah. she's a sales assistant from teesside and her description of her house i really like she's got black flock wallpaper black mm. sofas and she wears black herself so i was thinking when she sits down on the black sofa people must say oh where's mel gone um because she must sort of disappear into the background but there's something thrilling about a lot of what might be termed goth music and it's one of the yes. you know, genres who who cares about it really but it's an atmospheric thing i think mm, absolutely um, you know, back in the day, it was uh, Susie and the Banshees, Joy Division, Killing Joke. I, I love them yes. particularly. And I've always been fond of the rather growling approach of Fields of the Nephilim, who uh, yeah. uh, yes. uh, was a bit obscure. So, yeah, I, just broadly, uh, again, just going to say hooray for the goths. Yes, very much so. Also, Mel's wedding sounds an absolute scream, if you pardon the pun, because she says, I married a goth. We had the wedding in a castle and I wore a purple corset with a big flouncy skirt to go with it and purple and black hair extensions. What an amazing wedding. I would have loved to have been a guest at that. But it's interesting that you you you, you name check the Fields of Nephilim and, and bands mm. like that. I used to be puzzled. When I was, so I went to university, the University of East Anglia in Norwich, um, and this would have been early noughties that I was there. And me and my friends were always rather surprised by it had a huge music scene in Norwich. There was there was the the, the UEA LCR as it was known, the Lower Common Room. Um, was the main was basically the biggest venue in East Anglia in terms of capacity. It was getting on for a, for one and a half thousand. So most bands would play there or, or Norwich's uh, sort of slightly smaller venues which were still a few hundred and we were always sort of baffled by the fact there were certain bands who you feel hadn't done anything in years and years like Fields of Nephilim mm. who would always be playing or The Mission or yes. um, or who's oh um Sisters uh, of Mercy yeah, a new model army used to play all the uh, time as well, and who I know weren't quite so goth, but but they used to come back every so often, and you yes. think, who on earth is buying tickets for this gig? And yet, you know, when we were on campus and they would be playing, and you'd be on your way home or something, you'd see all these people in black and you know, sort of huge back combed hair and stuff queuing round the block to get in. So so I admire the sort of the gothic music fans because they seem to be well, much like sort of gay men and teenage girls. They seem to be insane loyal to the bands that they love to the very last and i think that is that is admirable like you say so hooray for the goths now thank you very much for listening it's great that you're there please do everything you can to make sure you're still there uh, yes. next week absolutely yes don't 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 yeah just don't do anything daft and just keep keep you know keep, keep with this it's going to be a little while but we'll all get through this and as uh, as well as hooray for goths, by the way, it's also hooray for Hilly and Rona for their help <laughs> yes, this indeed. week. Yes, indeed. Hooray, hurrah. 
Now, um, George, it's been a while <laughs> since I said this to you, but I'm going to say it uh, again. Probably the last time was about a year ago. If you had given me a thousand guesses, <laughs> I would never have said you were going to choose this lot uh, who are going to play us out. Yeah, absolutely. And my big, my biggest, um, I'm picking this because I really like it as a tune. Um, so I am not a huge Bono fan. I'm not a particularly huge U2 fan. Very I could probably most punchable yeah. man in show business. Bono. Well, he's just, he's just, he tries to do the right thing, but I, I, he could, he does the right thing in the wrong way so often mm. that is that he just comes Very across well as so, so, so self-satisfied, doesn't he, really? But, um, but anyway, you two are a band that have kind of been here as long as time has. It feels like it that sometimes, <laughs> and and I was watching this aforementioned St. Patrick's Day special of Top of the Pops too. Now it was on for I think about an hour on on the BBC, and so you would think, oh, there'll it'll be a showcase for loads of Irish. Irish bands you know maybe we'll see you know we, we saw the cause you know we saw Sinead O'Connor um we saw the the undertones you know we saw stiff little fingers oh, okay fair enough maybe we'll see Ash no we didn't see them you know or maybe we'll see um maybe we'll see Fatima Mansions didn't see them um you know we didn't see a lot of people how many songs in an hour that was meant to be a general showcase of Irish band special do you think we have from you too Terence Oh, well, I, one would have been plenty for me. <laughs> we have four. Oh, Lord. Now, my view is, surely there are plenty of other Irish bands that you could have, or singers that you could have found yeah. to fill that time. But anyway, they... um they, I, Absolutely. But they they didn't pick this tune, which I was disappointed by, because it is the U2 single that sounds the least like U2 and is therefore That's perhaps... That's its best merit, isn't yeah, it? I was really? going to say, if you're not a fan of U2, it is worth listening to this, because it is a sort of a... It's, I mean, this comes from the album Pop. Um, I'm trying to remember if Pop was the album that had the infamous Lemon tour or not. It might have been. I'm not sure. I'm just... I'm going to Google Pop Lemon at U2 now and see. Although Pop Lemon is not a bad name for a band actually for those of us self-isolating that are doing projects at home why not eh um the pop mart tour um you know i don't um yeah it did have a huge lemon on the pop mart tour i think um it was uh, it was the animatronic because i've absolutely got no idea what you're talking about with lemons and right so 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 you two did so the the pop tour that toured this album was called pop mart Um, It was an enormously expensive tour um, that um, that that had the that had a huge animatronic lemon um, <laughs> from, from which the um, an you olive on a hundred foot toothpick and a huge fiberglass, fiberglass arch which is sort is of a spawning all tap in, in real life Absolutely. Um, at the top of which nestled 60 orange speakers the operating <laughs> cost for the Pop Mart tour were $214,000 a day this is this is U2's possibly maddest period ever a fact borne out by the video for this which features them in sort of like a sort of a, a hyper real village people at the end which is not a word not an expression i thought i'd ever use about you two it's when they appear in a feather bow at the end that you think oh this is this is really strange isn't it this is not you two at all are they on drugs am i on drugs what's happening anyway i bought this album for a pound from a charity shop recently because for all that i've always really enjoyed it i've never actually had a copy and this comes from that and i do think this is this is my favorite of all their singles it's their weirdest and i think that's why i like it so much because i think it 
it's genuinely a really good sort of dance inflected rock record i think it's i think it's very i find it very weirdly inspiring in a way i find it quite energizing so uh, so i'm gonna play this and do watch the video by the way if you can find it online because it is what well, always makes me laugh anyway and i think we could always do with a laugh at these times so this is you two and uh, discotech Yeah. 
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>